the series for uh, this month and next month is uh, entitled, Taking It Back, Robbing the Thief. Praise God. God's called us to be victorious. Amen? He's called us, to, uh, we're, we're uh, heirs of the kingdom. He's called us uh, to be blessed, to, to serve him. And, um, but how many know that the devil's a liar and he's out to, to always steal? And he's trying to steal what God has given us, what God has entrusted us with, what God has promised us. The devil would love to just steal and destroy everything that God desires to do in our lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at our series scripture that we're going to be focusing and building everything around this month. So if you have your Bibles, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. So find your way there, John chapter 10, verse 10. If, uh, and then if you would just uh, go down the road a little bit more and find 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're going to read those two scriptures, okay? But we're going to start off with John 10.10 10, and then after uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. The series, again, is entitled, Taking It Back, Robbing the Thief. The Bible says this in John 10.10. 10. It says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that good news tonight? That's good news. Amen. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now the topics that we're going to be uh, focusing and looking at uh, for the next couple of months are God's purpose for our lives. And I'll get into uh, what we're going to be focusing on this evening, but it's God's purpose. We're going to look at God's word. We're going to spend time in God's word and see what his purpose is for us. He's called us, again, to be heirs of the kingdom. He's, he's called us uh, to victory. He's called us to take a stand in this world for different things, all righteousness. But we must fight for and hold on to what is rightfully ours. Now anyone that's been serving God for any amount of time in this place, you can attest to this, that you're not here by accident, that you're not remaining a Christian today after all these years just by accident because you had nothing else to do. It didn't happen by accident. It was very intentional. The reason that you're still here, that you're still serving God, is because you've learned to fight. You've learned to take a punch. You've learned to, to get up after you've been knocked down. You've learned what it is to stand on Christ, to stand on his word. When it seems like everything else is falling around you, you know what it means to stand. Amen? Those that have been here, amen, for, for any amount of time, you understand what that means, that it, it is a fight. So we must fight for and hold on to what is rightfully ours. So tonight what we're going to talk about and we're going to focus on tonight is taking back morality and purity. Taking back morality and purity. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. This is, this is beautiful right here. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now that is a powerful truth, that is a powerful blessing, that in Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. And God said that, the scriptures say that, knowing good and well who you are, who I am. Knowing my hang-ups, knowing your hang-ups, knowing your failures, knowing my failures. Despite that, God calls us into victory. 
And the Bible says that in him, in Jesus Christ, we become the righteousness of God. Isn't that powerful? Because you know yourself, right? Man, you know your hangups. You know what you struggle with. You know your failures. You know your past. You know all the things that, that you've had to deal with and that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You understand that. But the Bible says in Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. That's powerful. The next time you're feeling defeated, the next time you're feeling like you're no good or you're of no account or, or God doesn't have anything for you, you have, to, you have to learn the scripture and understand that in Christ, you can declare, I have become the righteousness of God. It's not through my own works, my own ability, my own power, but it's through Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, we have become the righteousness of God that is so powerful. And with that, church, believer, brother and sister, Christian, come so many blessings so many blessings to us that are rightfully ours through Jesus Christ. The world, as we look around us, we've seen such a decline in righteousness, in holiness, in things that are called right and true. It's now become so subjective, subjective in this world. It is no longer uh, based on what is an absolute truth, as many people would say. But no, it's based on what makes you feel good and what you agree with. But it's a lie. There is still an absolute truth in this world. Can you say amen? There is still something that we can stand on. That no matter what goes on in society, no matter what, is, what you're looking at in the news, no matter what society says is right or wrong, there is still an absolute truth in this world, in this universe, and it's the word of God. We can constantly and always stand on the word of God and look to God's word as a standard for righteousness and holiness. What the world has one time called good, it now calls evil. And what it had one time called evil, it now, it now calls good and acceptable. I was looking at some statistics that I want to share with you regarding lying. And there was the question, why do people lie? And I looked at the, the, the top five reasons why people lie. 21% and there, there are more, but I looked at the top five. 21% of people lie to avoid others. Oh, man, I don't want to be where they're at, right? They're going there. Oh, I'm not going to. You, you make a plan sometimes, right? Because you don't want to be where that person or those people are going to be. So 21% of people lie to avoid others. 20% of people lie as humor, a joke or a prank. 14% of people lie to protect oneself. 13% to impress or appear more favorable. And 11% to protect another person. Now when we look at some of the statistics of lying and why people lie, we have to remember the ancient liar, the devil, that has blinded the eyes of people throughout this world and convinced them to trade righteousness and morality and purity, to trade that in, to put that on the shelf, to trade it in, to live a life to, to, according to what makes you and I feel good. When the word of God tells us to hold on to righteousness, to stand for righteousness and purity, the world has said, let's just go ahead and, and put that on the shelf because it doesn't always feel good to be righteous, to make a righteous stand. Why don't we put that on the shelf and instead, why don't we do what makes us feel good? And that's what it is to sin. That's what it is to live according to carnality. See, the devil has lied to the world and said that is the road that, that you must take if you want to be happy in this world. Forget about your vows. 
Forget about what you promised. Forget about standing on the word of God. That's what the enemy says. Do what makes you feel good. And how many know sin? We're honest. Sin feels good. But for a moment. But for a season. And after it comes death. But it feels good in that moment. But it's temporary. But the devil has lied to the world and magnified that so that people are constantly chasing that sin each and every day. Now the Bible says this in John 8, 44. Talks about the devil says, for you are, you are the children of your father, the devil, as, God was, as Jesus was bringing scathing rebuke to the Pharisees. And you love to do evil things. He does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. Listen to this. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So this month... We must revisit God's word to see what his will is for us. Because brother and sister, it's not by accident that you were born in this generation. As wicked as this generation is, as, as, the, as the craziness of the things that we see on TV and the media and all around us, it's not by accident, brother and sister, that you were born into this very generation so that you could be a testimony in this dark world, so that you could be a light in this dark world, so you could shine for him. God's given you a story, he's given you a testimony to tell regarding his power and his glory. But we have a short time to make the impact that he's called us to make. In John 4, 35, Jesus says, say you not there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. He says, look up for the fields are white and ready to harvest. So there's an urgency, church, and the time is short for us to stand for righteousness, to stand for, your, for purity, to stand for morality, to teach the next generation what it means to serve God, to live according to a righteous testimony, to hold on to purity and righteousness, no matter if it's popular or it's not popular, where the time is short, but we're gonna have to answer that call. And this message about purity and holiness, you know, you may, you may be in this place and you may have just crossed yourself off that list because you would say, Pastor Matt, do you know my past? Do you know the things I've done? The things I've said? The things I've committed? The things I've done? If, if we're, we're going to talk about righteousness and purity, you might say, oh man, I'm in the wrong place. But this message is for each and every one of us. Do we remember the scripture that we just read a, little, a moment ago? That in him, in Jesus Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. That's for each and every one of us. God knows your past. He knows what you've done. You may say, man, I've hurt too many people. I've stabbed God in the back too many times. God's given me too many chances. There's no more hope for me. But you know the good news is, church, if there is breath in your lungs, the Bible says there's hope for you. So tonight there is hope. This message is for every believer, for every person. It's for everyone listening. It's not only for those who, who haven't done anything wrong. It's for those who have, who have sinned tremendously. And it's for those who think that they haven't sinned that much. But my Bible tells me that there is none righteous, no, not one. Isn't that the truth? Without Christ, we can't boast of, of our own righteousness or anything Without Christ, there is no righteousness. But glory to God and Jesus that we're made holy. We're made righteous. And we're going to see in God's word tonight 
that we're called kings and priests, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Thank you, Jesus. Church, praise God. Let's bow our heads tonight. I want to pray as, as we get into this. Father, we come before you. Lord, we're so grateful, Father, for your love, God. We're so grateful for your sacrifice, Father. Lord, your word tells us, God, that while we were yet sinners, you loved us, God, that you, you gave your son to die for us, Father. And Lord, we, we proclaim that once again, Lord, tonight. We're reminded of that, God, and we glorify you for that truth tonight, Father. Lord, and I pray as we, as we talk, as we look into your word about holiness and righteousness, Father God, I pray that you would help us to understand how much you love us, Lord, and in you we can be righteous that we could live righteously, that we could live in holiness, Father God, by your power, by your grace, and by your strength, Father God. I lift up each and every person hearing my voice tonight, Father God, praying that, Lord God, that you would have your way, Father, that you would help us to understand you more, to understand your grace, Father God, and just to follow you, Lord God, as you've called us to follow you, Father. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. amen. Praise God. So tonight, as we talk about taking back morality and purity, if we're going to start talking about this, if there's going to be any springboard, any place that we need to start when we talk about morality and purity, we have to look at Jesus. Can you say amen? Jesus is our righteousness. That's, the first, that's where we have to begin. If we're going to talk about being righteous and being holy, it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our righteousness. Now, as we read through the Word of God, we understand that He is the beautiful sacrifice for you and I, that you and I had a debt that we couldn't pay. It was our sin. It was our, our trespasses to, towards God. And without Jesus, we could never repay those things. We could never stand in the presence of a holy God without Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. Now, the Bible looks at this act of Jesus paying the price for our sins, and it calls it propitiation. It's the act of appeasing God for one's sins, thus incurring divine favor or avoiding divine retribution. Again, I'll read it one more time. The definition of propitiation is the act of appeasing God for one's sins, thus incurring divine favor or avoiding divine retribution. Now, as we look all through the Old Testament, we understand what the law is. We understand what it was to be, to be a sinner and to, to be outcast from the people of God. And without Christ, without his righteousness, without his death, there could be no ultimate forgiveness. The Old Testament talks about the old law and how people were constantly reminded of their sins and trespasses as they, as they had to come once a year and they had to make sacrifices. They had to sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of their sins. They had to shed blood for the forgiveness of their sins. But what would happen is they would constantly remember their sins. They were constantly reminded about the things of old, about their trespasses, and guilt again would be able to grip their heart. But church, how many know that we could come into the house of God tonight, that because of the blood of Jesus and because he washed us, we could come into the presence of God and we could lift holy hands. Can you say amen? We can enjoy the presence of God, not because we're holy, not because it's just our works, but because of what Jesus did for you and I. You can serve God with a clear conscience. You could come into God's presence. Yes, you may have a messed up past. You may have did things that you regret. But in Jesus Christ, he forgave us for those sins. Thank you, Jesus. He is our righteousness. We can never forget that. And perhaps you're here in this place or you're hearing my voice and you're not forgiven tonight. You haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. 
I will tell you that you can never enter the kingdom of God by bypassing Jesus. You can't. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. It doesn't matter how many good works you perform or accomplish in your life. Good works are great, but they don't get you into heaven. Jesus does. Now, there was a case that was built against you and I. It was built based on the sins and trespasses that we committed. And it was our sins. And if not forgiven, had it not been for the death of Jesus and loving us to die for us, we would have entered death and destruction. Without him, there's no hope. But thank you, Jesus, he is our righteousness. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, he's the atonement. He took the place for you and I. He took the place for our sins. Even though he was perfect and he didn't deserve to die, he'd still died for us. 1 John 4, 10, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So again, here we see the word of God and that Jesus Christ was the atonement. He was a sacrifice for you and I so that we can enter divine favor with the loving Father. Now when we think about this beautiful exchange, there's a beautiful scripture in Isaiah chapter one, verse 18. And see, that's why we gotta read the word of God because we could have so many misconceptions about who God is, even as Christians sometimes, right? We mess up, we may say something that we're not supposed to, or we may have done something that we're not supposed to, and all of a sudden, we forget what the Bible describes as God and his loving kindness, but a God of truth, a God of mercy, and a God of holiness, right? He's not, he's, he's not a God of compromise, but he's a God of love. But sometimes the enemy lies to us and, 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 and tempts us to just, to just run, run the other way. He tells you, you messed up, you sinned. You committed this egregious act before God, so you have no right to come into the house of God anymore. He lies to us and he tells us, don't even, don't even look up to God. Don't even come into God's presence. You don't even deserve God's presence. And he convinces people to forever leave. But let's look at Isaiah and what the Bible says and what God says himself. Isaiah 118. He says this. He says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Who receives that tonight? That's good news, church. That's, what, that's out of the word of God. Come now, let's settle this, he says. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. God is saying, come, let us reason together. You can't do it on your own. He says, come as you are. He's calling us. He's, 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 he's bidding people to come to him to be forgiven, to be made right through Jesus Christ. That's God's desire as, as our loving Father. We're his children, right? Any father wants his children to be around him. Parents, how many times have, you, have your kids done something wrong and you have, to, you have to discipline them, you have to admonish them in love, you have to correct them, and for that moment it doesn't feel good to them, right? But, but they still come into your loving embrace. Why? Because you, you give them the hope that they could do better. You don't want to discipline them and, and, and banish them from your sight forever. No, you care for them. You want to constantly provide for them. You want to see them get better. So you bring that correction. That's what the Father does to us. He says, come, let us reason together. Though you made a mistake, though you've fallen, 
Though perhaps you've done some things you're not proud of, God says, come now, let's reason together. See, that's the message from Christ. Now, the enemy says the opposite. The enemy says, run the other way. Get out of here. You shouldn't even be in church, the enemy says. You shouldn't even be in the presence of God. You're not worthy, the enemy says. And he convinces so many people to never come back. But they've forgotten that these scriptures are there, these promises for them. God says, come now, let's settle this. So we're talking about taking back righteousness and purity in our lives but we can't talk about that until we recognize that it is our loving Savior that makes this possible. Romans 5.18, the Bible says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Thank you, Jesus. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Talking about the first Adam. But Jesus, who's now called the second Adam, but because of one one other person obeyed God, many were made righteous, and that's Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says we're a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Thank you, Jesus. We're getting ready for our baptisms that are going to be taking place here uh, on the 29th. We look forward to what God's going to do here. It's going to be uh, out in the parking lot right there under the tent. And we're going to be baptizing people. We're going to believe God that he's going to do some great things. And that baptism is a symbol of them leaving their old life and becoming a new person in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So you are new in Christ. You're new in Christ. You may have sinned. You may have messed up. You may have made some mistakes in your life. But understand that there is hope for you. What you have to do is come to Christ, ask for his forgiveness. For those that are receiving that message, there's going to be a chance for you at the end of the service. We're going to have an altar call. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking about taking back morality and purity. We have to understand that God is always watching. By knowing this fact that God is always watching our lives, it will prayerfully help us and cause us to to understand that we have to fight for righteousness in our lives, that God is always watching. The Bible says that we're surrounded by a multitude of witnesses. Can you say amen? That people are always watching, and I believe even in the heavenly realms that, that we're being watched. And it's going to take effort. Now there's a story of Joseph, and his statement regarding standing for righteousness is so powerful, and something I think that we should all remember when it comes to temptation in our lives. Now, if we understand the story of Joseph, Joseph went through a lot of things. Of, as we may have read, as we learned in Sunday school, he was betrayed by his brothers. He was favored by his father. His father loved him. He was, a, he's, he was the youngest of his, one of the youngest of his brothers. And they sold him into slavery. They got rid of him because they didn't like the favor that his father showed him. They didn't like the things that he was saying. So what they did is they came up with a plan to, to make it look like, uh, to tell his father that, that he was killed and that he was murdered and that he died. But what they did is, without the father knowing, they sold him into slavery. And through the, through the span of time, Joseph went through many things. He was sold into slavery, and then he was, he was imprisoned, and he, he came to serve in the house of one named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife desired to sin, with Joseph. And at that moment of temptation, she grabbed him. And the story in Genesis 39, you could read it when you have your own time. But she grabbed his cloak 
And she said, lie with me. She was a married woman. God was doing great things in Joseph's life. And he says in Genesis 39, 9, he says, no one here has more authority than I do. This is Joseph talking. Now, Joseph was a young man. He has held back nothing from me except you. So Joseph's talking about his master, Potiphar. So I'll read it one more time. No one here has more authority than I do, Joseph said. He has held back nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife, here's what he says. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Church, this statement should be seared on our hearts. Every time we're tempted to do evil, every time we're tempted to turn our back on Christ, every time we're, we're tempted to, to just cash in our morality and purity, we have to ask the question, how could I do such a wicked thing? How, uh, it would be a great sin against God. We have to have that conviction and thank God for the Holy Spirit, church. Let, let that conviction be sharp in your life. Be sensitive to that conviction. When the Holy Spirit's convicting you, obey it. We don't ever want that, that conviction to get dull because it saves us. Joseph said, it would be a great sin against God. Let that be our statement. Let that be our answer to the, to the moment that we're tempted because we're all tempted. The devil knows your bait, man. He knows what you like, right? And he's like a master fisherman. He knows your bait. He knows, he knows what catches your eye. He knows what sounds you like. He knows, he knows what you like. He knows what you like to hear. He knows what buttons to push. But in those times of temptation, as Joseph said, we have to ask, how could I do such a wicked thing it would be a great sin against God. We're talking about morality and purity. And lastly, in which I want to spend, spend some time on tonight, is taking back purity. Taking back purity. Now, perhaps you're in this place. Maybe you started the race off great. You know, maybe you started off right, and maybe this was many years ago and you were serving God, things were going great, but maybe somewhere along the way something happened, perhaps you, you fell. You made a mistake that you weren't planning to make. Take back purity in Jesus Christ. Perhaps those of you hearing my voice tonight, I don't know, maybe you're not in church. There's, there's so many reasons why... You may not want to step foot within these four walls. Perhaps you made a mistake and, and you can't find it in yourself yet to come back to the house of God. I implore you tonight, I encourage you, and all of us encourage you here tonight, come back to the house of God. Come back. God has something great for you. You're not too far away. You haven't fallen too far. God has something great for you, and he stands here with open arms, but you have to take back that purity in Jesus Christ, and it's there for you. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what mistake you made. I'll tell you, if, if there was no more hope for you, if God's plan for you was done, that you wouldn't be here anymore. You wouldn't be hearing my voice anymore. But there's a plan and there's still hope for you in Jesus' name. See, church, we have to purpose in our life each and every day to walk in the Spirit, not to walk in the flesh. And we know how it is to walk in the flesh, right? We know how it is to be tempted to get revenge when we're done wrong. We know how it is to, to live according to pride and a prideful spirit. To say that, yes, I could just do it on my own. I don't need anyone else. 
We know how it is to be malicious to others. We know how it is to be selfish, to walk according to our own pleasures and desires, to do what makes us feel good. But the Bible calls us and tells us to walk according to the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. There are so many opportunities throughout our day to throw away purity. Can you say amen? If we're not careful, we can throw it away in an instant. Through one bad decision, you could throw many years of trust away, many years of of, of God's work away through one bad decision. But we have to take back purity, church. We have to stand on righteousness. We have to walk in the newness of our life, of our godly life that he's given us, that we find in Jesus. So what are some things that we could do to take back purity and to stand in purity? Well, one is to stick to the fundamentals. What are the fundamentals of our Christian life? Remember? Remember the first days of your Christian life, those that have been serving God for some time? You remember what that was. You remember what those things that were constantly being encouraged into your life. One, you have to pray. You have to constantly be in prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. You have to always pray each and every day, each and every moment. Let prayer be an attitude that you take on throughout the day. You have to pray. Secondly, you have to read. There's no getting around it. You have to stay in the Word of God. This is truth. There's so many, there's so many blessings as we, as we open God's Word. We're convicted. We're encouraged. We're challenged, right? We're directed. We're reminded. We're refreshed. So many things in the Word of God. We're given promises. We understand what it means to, to, to be healed because there are promises in the word of God for our healing. We understand what it means to be victorious because we look at the word of God and we read stories of victory. We understand what it means to be forgiven. We understand what it means to be challenged. We understand what it means to forgive others when they do us wrong. Why? Because we read about how Jesus forgave us. We read about courage in the word of God. Men and women, people just like you and I having to face insurmountable odds that were placed in front of them, but they had to walk by faith. We read about that in the Word of God. We read about people who were martyred for God, who died for the cause of Christ. People who who deemed their life as nothing in the cause of Christ and willingly laid their lives down for truth and for righteousness. We read all these stories in the Word of God. If we're not reading the Word of God, we're filling ourselves up with something else that is not going to benefit us. Most of the time, it's social media, right? For that age group in this place, I could hear my voice. We're filling ourselves up with something. If you're struggling in this place, if you're struggling, struggling mentally, if you're struggling standing for righteousness and purity, if you're having a tar- hard time in that department, how's, I have to ask you, how's your reading? How's your praying? Because this is going to strengthen you. God's word is alive. Those things we read on social media, it's just information. It's just entertaining for a moment. Yeah, we all do it, right? But it's not alive. God's word is alive. God's word changes us. God's word helps us. God's word refreshes us. We're washed by the water of the word. We're, there, there's so many reasons why we have to stay in the word of God. If, you've, if, if your Bible has, has been collecting dust, let there not be another day that goes by without you picking it up and spending some time in the word of God and reading it. You have to be, and this, this is for every age group. It doesn't matter how old or young you are in this place. You have to be in the word of God. We're talking about pay, taking back purity and morality. You have to witness. You have to share your faith. 
We have to constantly do that. There's but a short time we have to tell others about Christ. You have to be faithful to church attendance. Can you say amen? John 17, 17, Jesus here was praying for, for all of us, for his disciples. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Thank you, Jesus. As we come into the house of God, as we hear the word of God, again, we're washed by the water of the word. We're taught a new way of thinking, a new way of living. I don't know about you, but before Christ, man, my thinking was crazy. I didn't even really believe in God. I wanted, there's so many questions. God, are you even for real? And, and I didn't have any direction in my life. I was lost. I was without purpose before Christ. But as I came to church as a young man, I was there. I didn't understand much, but in my spirit, I knew where I had to be. When those doors were open, I was there. Whether it was Bible study, whether it was outreach, whether it was church, whether there was, there was renovation or work going on in the church, I was there. And I can't boast about it all, but I'll tell you, that's what, what kept me throughout the years. There have been times that, man, in my walk, my walk with Christ, I didn't know which way was up or down. I was going through so many things, but I said if I could just get through those doors, if I could just be in the house of God with the people of God, hearing the word of God, my life would be changed. I'd be one step closer to my victory if I could just get through the house of God. These are the things that we need when we talk about purity and righteousness. We can't do it on our own. Avoid tempting situations. Don't put yourself, use God's wisdom. Don't put yourself in a situation that's gonna tempt you to fall. You know yourself. You know exactly what I'm talking about. All of us, we know ourselves. Don't put yourself in a tempting situation to fall. This may relate to you there at home within your four walls. It may relate to your workplace or perhaps at school. We have to live and walk in wisdom. And if you're honest with yourself, you could see these things transpiring, but what do we do? Sometimes we try, to, we try to play footsies with sin, right? We let that enticing continue when we should just snuff it out and stop it right there where it starts. But sometimes we think, oh, I'm strong enough. I could handle it. I enjoy it, but I'm not gonna cross the line. Every step you take closer to that cliff, there's gonna be a time where you're gonna, you're gonna fall off that cliff. Use God's wisdom. Don't put yourself in tempting situations, brother and sister. You know what that means. Fight against ungodliness and cultivate godliness in your life. You're tempted with ungodliness, fight against it. Constantly be warring. You know, this battle that we're, that we're living in, this, this, if we could liken it to, to a stream, you know, there's a current that's taking place, and if you don't constantly row and you don't constantly fight, you're never going get to up, get upstream. The moment that you just want to rest and just put your hands up and take a break, you know what's happening is you're going downstream. You're going the wrong direction. You have to constantly fight and you have to constantly make effort to fight against ungodliness and you have to cultivate godliness. All these things we're talking about tonight, if we're going to stand, if we're going to live in purity and righteousness. Lastly, repent. You made a mistake. You sinned. God's forgiveness is here for you. You just have to repent. Ask for the Lord's forgiveness. 
run to Jesus and resist temptation. This was a powerful scripture that I always remember, especially as a young man that always encouraged me. How can a young person stay pure? Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Stay in the word of God. When you make a mistake, repent. The Bible says a wise man will fall seven times and then what? They'll get back up again, right? When you do that, the Bible calls you wise. And lastly, understand as we talk about purity and righteousness, what the Lord calls us. 1 Peter 2.9, as we prepare to close as a worship team can make their way up. 1 Peter 2.9, the Bible says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Thank you, Jesus. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession. Who receives that tonight? That's good news, right? You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what God calls you tonight. He calls you a royal priesthood. He knows your past. He knows your failures. He knows everything you've done. But through his love, what does the Bible say? That he's taking your sins. And what has he done? He's cast them into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. God loved you so much that he, he, he decided to forget about your sins. That's good news tonight, right? So what happens when the enemy comes to try to sit on our shoulder, tries to remind us of these sins that we've committed, all these things that we've done? You can tell him, devil, get behind me. God's already forgotten those things. He's already forgiven me of those things. I'm going to move on and press on for Jesus Christ. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So church, we have to fight for, pur for purity. You know, as we talk about this, I'm taken back to the early days, as, as many of you may know. I, I got saved as a teenager, as, as, as a young man at, at 14 years old. I, I got saved, and Christianity was something new to me. But I remember my, my grandmother would always witness to me at 9 or 10 years old. I was a young child, and she would always tell me that, that one, I needed Jesus. I thought I was a good kid. I'm a good kid. I haven't done nothing too bad, right? She would say, you need Jesus. You need Jesus, she would tell me. And secondly, she said, she would say, you have to go to church. You always got to go to church. And this was before a time that I could take myself to church, right? I was so young. But I always remember that. And God used my, my grandmother, who since then has gone on to be with the Lord many years ago. I need Jesus. I have to go to church. Those are the two things that she taught me. And God began to cultivate a desire in my life to serve him. Even before I stepped into church, I started to have a desire, like, I want to I go to church. I want to learn about God. And I wasn't perfect, but God saw that desire. God sees your desire tonight. If you want to be kept, if you want that change, if you want deliverance, God sees that desire. And that's a righteous desire. You know what God does with righteous desires? He helps bring them to pass. Because you're not asking, you know, I, I want, I want, you know, we know what selfish desires are, right? I want this amount of money, or I want this or that, all these physical things. There's a time and place for that. God wants to bless us with those things. But the truly righteous things, 
that we desire to be close with Christ and to live for God. God sees those things. And if you have a desire tonight, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You got to stop listening to the enemy. If you open your ear to him, he's going to always talk lies. He's going to constantly talk. We have to close our ears to that. We have to start listening to the Holy Spirit and understanding what God says about us. I remember when it comes to purity, being a young man, being there in a public high school, feeling out of place, feeling weird because of the decisions I was making not to go along with the, the norm and the things that were going on in high school back then. Felt weird, felt out of place, sometimes felt like a loner because not too many people are doing that. All those things, I felt them felt odd, weird, all these things. But it was all for the purpose that God, I, I want to do my best to live righteously. With whatever strength I have, Lord, whatever strength you give me, I'm going to live according to righteousness. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. When those requests are coming and those, those parties were going on and those hangouts and those ditch parties and all these things were going on and it was so easy for me to get caught up into that. And sometimes sin is bold. Sin will try to put its arm around you and try to, try to pull you in. Sin's playing for keeps. The enemy's playing for keeps. But you and I, church, are going to have to be that much bolder to stand for righteousness and purity. And through God's keeping power, thank you, Jesus, through God's keeping power, I was able to stand why? Because I, I brought myself under the leadership of my pastors. When church was going on, I was going to be there. When the things of God were going on, I was going to be there. When, when, when before I was qualified to be in ministry, I desired to be in ministry. I saw other people in the skit team and the drama team. I saw people, and I was a teenager, I saw people ushering. I was thinking, man, that would be so cool to do. I want to do, what do I have to do that? And I remember asking my, my, my pastor, and I remember him talking to me, and I remember there being the qualifications. See, there's a standard for, for ministry. There's a standard that, that we have to live up to. Yes, that's still intact. That's still a real thing. We can't, we can't think that we're going to just serve God here in the church and go out and live like devils throughout the week and then come back and be back in ministry and do whatever we want. It does not work like that. Ministry should not work like that. There's a standard. You've got to be a clean testimony. You gotta be faithful to church. Come to prayer. You gotta be a good testimony. What are people, what do people say about you, how, how you live? That matters. It's called a testimony. What kind of example are you for Christ? See, with God's help, he'll strengthen us to live righteously. Not self-righteously, because it's not in us. But he'll help us through humility as we come to the cross. Each and every day, even the Christians, right? We, guys, we still gotta come to the foot of the cross. God, forgive me, I thought this today. God, I did this. I shouldn't have did this, God. You were convicting me. I disobeyed. I'm sorry. We stay at the foot of the cross, ask for forgiveness, and we're able to live in purity. And through that, God is able to take us places. He's able to do things. He's able to take us to new levels, new areas of intimacy with Christ. Beautiful. But we're going to have to fight for purity and righteousness. Jesus said, as I close, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we have to understand that Jesus is our righteousness. 
that God's always watching and that we have to take back purity in this world. You receive that tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's give God praise in this place. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word, my God. We thank you, Lord God, for your righteousness, God. We thank you for your love tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.